0: Hello, friends and enemies. This is Torin speaking. Pam Saunders of Body Worlds and the Brain was kind enough to provide us with a giveaway copy of the luscious and rather weighty Body Worlds, the original exhibition of Real Human Bodies book. And we decided to hold a contest to find out who wants it the most. To enter the contest, all you have to do is promote Caustic Soda. Contest closes November 16th, 2010. Will we mail you your book? No, but we will meet you at the KFC of your choosing in the greater Vancouver area to enjoy a double-down sandwich. Call back to the food episode. And uh, we will hand you the book, and if you like, we will autograph it. Although I can't imagine why you'd want to despoil such a lovely tome uh, with, uh, with our little scribbles. For details on the contest, including the rules and regulations, visit causticsodapodcast.com. And don't forget to visit Body Worlds at the TELUS World of Science before January 9th, 2011.
1: Hey guys, I'd like to do the intro no, this week. No, I'm going to do the intro. No, I, me, the, no it's I me. I want to do I'm it. I'm you do guys it. don't need me. to do intros. I want the intro no, all to I myself. I to do the me.
0: whole
2: intro this time.
3: i mine mine mine, 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 no, mine, 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 mine. I want to do an intro.
0: Today on Caustic Soda, we're talking about Greed, Mm -hmm. the second installment in our exciting series on the seven deadly sins. A seven-part
1: series, some might say?
0: Those who can count.
1: Those who can, yeah. And speak speak English.
0: One of our good English-speaking counting friends is with us here today. Chris Stewart is back once again. I like money. Old English, "greatum" means eagerly, and uh, it came to mean voracious and covetous. The fear of wealth is plutophobia, and the fear of money is chromatophobia. Mm, Chromatophobia
1: sounds like the fear of color. Well, maybe money can be colorful,
0: all the glitters. As seen by the church, greed is applied to a very excessive or rapacious desire in pursuit of wealth, status, and power. St. Thomas Aquinas wrote that greed was a sin against God inasmuch as man condemns things eternal for the sake of temporal things.
1: Like you're striving for success today and you're forgetting about your, uh, s- your salvation tomorrow. Your eternal soul. Sir Thomas Aquinas sounds like a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> it downer, but a smart downer.
3: That's the problem. Doesn't sound like Nobody any liked fun. him.
1: Nope. No. Don't
3: do this. Don't do that. No.
1: So what's the opposite of greed before we move ahead? Charity. This is the charity one. You remembered? I do not remember. <laughs> what if you're charitable because you're greedy? Like
2: you, you, oh, yeah. get, something, just talking you get something out of, of being charitable. Like yeah. it gives you pleasure to be charitable, so you're doing temporal it for yourself. Temporal pleasure and not eternal yeah, pleasure? That's what I'm saying, temporal pleasure
1: from charity. Oh, you get a tax receipt from the government, man.
2: Historically, going all the way back to
0: 53 BC, which is when Marcus Licinius Crassus died, but before he died, this Roman general and politician. When he received word that a house was on fire, he would arrive and purchase the doomed property along with the surrounding buildings for a modest sum and then employ his clients to put the fire out before much damage had been done. Prastus' clients employed the Roman method of firefighting, destroying the burning building to curtail the spread of the
2: flames. So he, but he would buy the house cheap because it's on fire. He would buy the property. Or buy the property. So I guess he would save several other buildings that yeah, would it have would,
1: normally been. Yeah, because you can't chop down somebody else's house. You just chop. You can chop down your own house, so he would buy that house and the land, and then the surrounding properties get them cheap because mm. they're on the verge of being like... on fire. And then he would save it by chopping the one down, and then mm. bank on all the other homes guess, that didn't burn down. I guess
0: down. Uh, I don't know how long it takes a fire to burn in a Roman house, yeah. but it seems as though it starts you out a pretty slow word burn. That a house is on fire, and, and, and you, you still have to you time make to... your way to the house. You make your negotiations you strike... with the person who owns the property. <laughs> you
1: strike up a real estate deal. Yeah. Yeah, no, it sounds like a uh, laborious process, to say the least. Right. It wasn't all wood, right? Lots of columns and uh, marble and crap like stones. that. Stones. Stones, maybe not, not burning stones. such a burning material. Crassus is pretty famous in history for
2: being a powerful man, and I guess, because of yeah, that. Yeah, he,
1: uh, he was like considered the richest man in the world or something at 1.1. Mm-hmm. I believe that's true. Yeah. And uh, and a jerk
0: face.
2: And a sinner. He supported the impoverished young Julius
3: Caesar. Allegedly worth well. more than $200 million. Cisteri. It's Cisteri. It's, it's
1: like five dollars in today's.
2: <laughs> I don't know with with compound interest, man. It's, it's like five
1: years. He, own the world. It's like five years. Own
4: the world.
1: Our sound engineer and producer Mike uh, mentioned Midas in the old uh, sort of uh, oh, yeah. tales of how he he desired to turn everything he touched to gold because he was super greedy, and uh, he ended up masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: it was only one hand.
1: Yeah, well, he did, but yeah, then he couldn't, he touched his wife and turned her to gold and it was a tragedy. And lived happily
0: ever after. (laughs) (laughs) Just like the rhino in that episode of the 60s Spider-Man.
1: Yeah. He wanted to
0: have a big gold statue of
3: himself.
1: Oh, that's right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) El Dorado was, basically means the golden man and he was supposedly a king who covered his body with gold dust and who ruled over a fabulously wealthy city.
1: Yeah, the city of El Dorado was the city of gold, right? In
0: 1559, the Viceroy of Peru approved an expedition to search for the legendary El Dorado, and about 370 Spanish soldiers uh, soldiers, and a few hundred Indians were put under the command of a young nobleman. And this guy, Lope de Aguera, joined up uh, and was made a high-level officer. They didn't find any wealthy cities. They only found hostile natives and disease and um, a lack of food. And before long, Aguere, this guy, was the informal leader of a group of men who wanted to return to Peru. So there was a mutiny. He and his men declared themselves a new kingdom of Peru, independent of Spain. <laughs> so the actual leader was executed along with any other noble in the entire expedition. Wow. As, as Aguere became more and more paranoid. And his mad plan was this. He and his men would head to the coast, find their way to Panama, uh, which they would attack and capture. From there, they would strike out to Lima and claim their empire. So this is how far they got. They were able to mount an assault on the small Spanish settlement of Isla Margarita and capture it, uh, And where he ordered the hanging of the governor and uh, many, as many as 50 locals, including women.
1: And it's also where they invented a very tasty beverage. That's right. Mm.
0: And then he made his way to the larger settlement of Barquisimeto, where he was surrounded by Spanish forces loyal to the king. His men deserted en masse... He was shot and chopped into pieces, and the pieces were sent to surrounding towns. And Ouch. that's the story.
2: I wonder if they sent, like, uh, a little label with it, or if, you know, just a piece of a guy showed up in the town.
1: i uh, telegram. Sure
0: a little tag. said Lope de Aguirre. Aguirre?
1: Aguirre, sure. And this is agreed because he was uh, on, in search of a golden city. And golden went, city. Well, the whole, crazy. yeah. Crazy.
3: Of course, there's Andrew Carnegie. Yeah, okay. in yeah. Carnegie Hall. Carnegie Hall. Yeah, he was who was uh, notoriously a uh, bit of a, a miser, but then had some sort of um, turnaround, at which point he became a philanthropist.
1: We got the oh, uh, the old switcheroo.
3: Uh, Michelangelo uh, made a crapload of money on his uh, painting, but apparently denied himself all comforts and slept with his boots on.
0: So he's the, he's the anti It's
3: well, it's a weird part of greed because it is greed because you don't want to waste what you've got. Oh, I see what you're getting at. Because greed, at its purest form, is just get, 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 get. But then there's two ways once you've gotten to deal with it. You can either then go the opulent route where you just spend it like crazy, right. or the other route is you just sit on it. The like hoarding, crazy. Yes. Again with the mm-hmm. hoarding, like a like a dragon on his hoard. Yeah, yeah. dragons, smock. the oldest of all misers, greedy motherfuckers. <laughs> 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 well, it says here there's a a circle of hell for misers. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. In Dante's Inferno. There yeah. must be one for greedy people, too.
1: I mean, has anybody read Inferno? Dante's Inferno. Dante's Inferno, no. Last I've night.
0: seen woodcuts. Oh, the woodcuts I have seen.
1: The the first of the uh, uh, the Divine Comedy, Inferno, Purgatorio, and Paradiso. Yeah. I only read Inferno because it's the only interesting one. The other two are pretty boring from what I understand. Sure. It's funny. if you, Anybody who's out there thinking about reading Inferno, they should go out and get a copy that that has like plenty of editor's notes because he he specifically names a lot of people in the different layers of hell. You got no frame of reference because he wrote it like 500 years ago, and you get back to um, go into the back of the book and the footnotes and the editor's notes, and he talks about how they're all basically personal enemies of Dante uh, Alighieri. Nice, <laughs> yeah. So he just took everybody that he didn't like and put them in hell for all the different <laughs> sins that they committed, like in the in the worldly plane typically against Dante himself. So, very amusing that it was a uh, was just basically a trash talk.
2: The uh, fourth circle of hell is uh, for the sinners of avarice and prodigality. Ooh. Uh, prodigality is uh, wasteful extravagance.
0: Oh, okay.
1: There's definitely a layer of hell for so, so greed. It, the, it is the both
3: p- types of greed. It's the guys who grab 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 and then spend crazily and well, the yeah. guys who grab 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 and do nothing. What about. horrible things happened
0: on the fourth circle?
2: I saw multitudes to every side of me. Their howls were loud while wheeling weights. They used their chests they used their chests to push. They oh, okay. struck against each other at that point. Each turned around and wheeling back those weights cried out, "Why do you hoard? Why do you squander?" So lots of pushing things with your
0: chest. Uh, So
1: they made them... uh, That's hell. Basically, the fourth fourth circle was uh, like a Three Stooges sketch where they all try and go through the door at the same time. (laughs) That's the fourth layer of hell.
2: And the weights they're pushing are bags of gold. Of gold. And they're trying to push them, but then they'd fall back on them.
1: (sighs) Yeah. Brutal! Yeah, they couldn't get to the top of the hill because they'd all jam up each other. That's pretty metal. Literally. Can I talk about the Republic of Nauru? Uh, Of course you can.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: Please... Kevin. Do it. So Nauru is an island nation on Micronesia in the N- South Pacific.
2: It's a Nauru.
0: Nauru is an island nation of Micronesia in the South Pacific, the world's smallest island nation covering just 21 square kilometers. Wow. It is a phosphate rock island with deposits close to the surface, which allow for simple strip mining operations. And this originates from the droppings of seabirds. Okay. That nest. Hmm. There. The Nauruian economy peaked in the 1980s uh, because it depends almost entirely on these phosphate deposits. Mm-hmm. The exporting really started in 1907 when, uh, uh, with Germany, and then Australia began mining uh, as well. And by that point in 1968, two-thirds of its surface had been mined.
1: Two-thirds of the surface of the island. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's the same time that uh, the native Nauri people won their independence. Okay. And then an interesting side note is this is about the same time that uh, Carnard swindled the country in part by investing in a theatrical musical called Leonardo, a portrait of love about Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> Just a little side note there. For the, so they're
1: an especially gullible people.
0: Nauru briefly boasted the highest per capita income by any sovereign state in the world uh, during the late 60s and early 70s. Wow. Oh. When the phosphate reserves were exhausted in the 1980s, uh, and the environment had been seriously harmed. To earn income, the government resorted to unusual measures. In the 90s, Nauru briefly became a tax haven and a legal money laundering center. <laughs> uh, the Russian mafia has laundered an estimated $70 billion through Nauru. Wow. And then from 2001 to 2008, accepted aid from the Australian government in exchange for housing a Nauru detention center that held and processed those who had tried to enter Australia in an irregular manner. So basically it was colonized for like 50 years mm-hmm. and strip mined by the colonists. And then when the colonists were gone and they had nothing else, they basically decided to continue
4: <laughs> strip mining the nation.
1: So does it say like it was the highest per capita income, but does it say what that income was? Uh, no. I'm just kind of curious to what the highest per capita income in the world would, would be. Mm. I, this
3: does sound familiar to me, though, because I seem to recall, like, the kids were all shipped off to high-level schools and stuff like that. Well, seeing as
1: how uh, their only industry seems to be now uh, taking care of uh, illegal immigrants from Australia, mm-hmm. <laughs> using them as a processing center, it sounds problematic. So it's a sad fate it's for very the small tiny. island. Very, I guess very it, it's, it's a classic case of greed, right? It's a classic case of, you know, they, we've got the highest per capita income in the world, and uh, we're not going to stop even though – it's fairly obvious at this stage of the game that this strip mining operation is not probably yeah, not sustainable. You,
0: you would think that with the amount of money that they, they would have, that they could just kind of say, "Oh, we're going to take it easy."
1: But it's a classic case of, uh, of the sort of greed getting you in the end, right? You know, now I'm sure they're not—they haven't sustained that level of income any longer.
2: No, no, no,
0: they, yeah,
1: they definitely had, not. They're <laughs> destitute now. They had to basically yeah. take
2: money from Australia to put a prison. They were super rich, yeah. and now they're super poor. Oh, the fickle fates! That's because they're not good at being greedy. That's why. They, they invested in a musical. Come on. No. Oh, Leonardo, a portrait of love. That's that's going to make a lot of money. And uh, I want more money.
1: Like, here's, here's the thing. is like whenever you hear about people who come into like a great deal of money, right, that they could use it to parlay money makes money as long as you use it properly and then just squander it and Right. have nothing left at the end, including the reason that they got the big parcel of money in the first place. Like, you know, you hear about people who get like a big inheritance or something like that and then they just yeah. party for like... A couple of years straight, and then have to go back to flipping burgers at McDonald's or something, right? Sinful. Deadly sinful. Who knows about Ponzi? Oh, I do. Yeah. I mean, they, they named a scheme after him, so he's got to be something good.
2: I, I mostly looked up the scheme because uh, when we we're when I was doing my research, I was like, oh, yeah, the Ponzi scheme. And I was like, you know, I keep hearing about it, and I just have no idea. They keep explaining it, and it's all complicated, and uh, yeah. it's been in the news a lot lately.
0: But now you finally understand it.
2: Yeah, it's actually pretty simple, and I'll just give a real uh, an example. Basically, what it is is you set up uh, an investment of some type. And your early investors all invest, let's say, let's say you guys all give me $10,000, you three. And I say, don't worry, this investment is going to be awesome. We're all going to make lots of money. You'll start getting your returns pretty soon. And then I keep spreading that word. And I get each of you tells your friends, oh, this guy's really good at making money. And so all your friends join in. And each of you say, give me three friends. So it's nine people. Those nine people give me $10,000. I give each of you three and go, see, like this is your first payment. It's good stuff, and you guys go, "Oh my God!" And You tell your friends who just joined that that happened. Wait, uh, you
0: took ten and thousand. You're giving me three back?
2: Yeah, but that's just that's just like your return. That's like, the that's first that's just, installment. That's, that's just okay. your interest. That's just the profit. I still have your, your ten, oh, and you're gonna you're gonna I keep see. making money, baby. Like this is an investment. Okay, you're gonna get three each time. Oh, Stu shaking, shaking his head. He's shaking his head, and so that gets more and more people involved, and I just keep paying out. I keep paying out money to the people who are in from the money that the other people are investing. Right. But there's no real product. There's no real investment in nothing. It's, going a, pyram- on. And, it's a
1: pyramid scheme.
3: And the, prob- the problem, once is you look at it. Is this from the ancient Egyptians then? No. <laughs> it's just the shape starting with somebody at the top, yeah. which means the later you come in, the worse it is for you. I yeah. ba- so I'm not investing in pyramids?
1: Uh, no. No, that, that's where Ramesses II got his name because he ramaziz did it to you.
2: And what happens is uh, the, pe- the people who are at the top of this scheme might even find out that nothing's going on because they're the ones actually close to the guy. But at this point, they've already made back more than their initial investment. So they kind of shut up about it so they can just keep
1: making some money. Yeah, you know, it becomes one of those... Because they're know, greedy. Yes. Because of greed. And eventually you just
2: can't get more investments. It it falls apart.
1: Yeah, because it, it, it's not a self-sustaining thing. It can't possibly sustain the weight, the weight of its own construction, right?
3: No, at all. The people lower down in the chain, I always feel for, sorry for because they've been hoodwinked. But there's mm-hmm. some usually fairly... Anytime one falls, there's high-profile people... And it can't feel too terrible. Yeah, like Kevin Bacon. It. Kevin Bacon and his his wife got uh nailed by that Madoff. Was it Madoff? Yeah, Madoff, Madoff yeah. Madoff. Made off with their money. <laughs> I get it. I stole it. Stewie,
0: you're a student of history. I am. Do you know much about blood diamonds? I do. Tell me all about it.
3: Essentially diamonds are they're a, a very girl's very, best friend. A girl's best friend. They're very, very pretty. They have uh, lots of great industrial applications as well as uh excellent uh Advertising and marketing schemes have have convinced
1: people good for cutting glass if you're a cat burglar
3: exactly um even low grade stuff can be ground up into dust, which are then used in cutting tools for cutting various mm-hmm. hard uh, materials, etc. uh The thing is is that uh, various nations in Africa are rich with them.
1: The Africans themselves aren't rich.
3: Without yeah, without getting going into too many details, if the society in the, the nation isn't properly built, you end up with poor conditions. Uh, well, let's just
1: say you got warlords. Basically, let's say you got yeah, warlords.
3: It's a big source of of money. Now the blood the blood diamond term basically comes from these are mostly nations that turn the money around to fight either within with themselves like civil wars or to fight the guy next door and the term only really became super popular well, i don't know exactly when it got coined but the whole idea is to push this idea of don't buy your diamonds they managed from
1: to war
3: torn nations because all you're doing is perpetuating the mm-hmm. the same situation so um in the United Nations, I think, and a bunch of the like the beers and the larger companies all got together and said, "Fine,
1: ethical we swear diamonds. we
3: won't. We it'll all be ethical diamonds, above board, and all that." We can, at which point Canada did fairly well because we have you know not half bad pile of diamonds up north. And, you know, that increased their wealth, uh, worth, etc. The the downside is, is that bigger and clearer stones seem to be coming out of Africa, which means that even under these situations, there's still this drive to find them, dig them up, sell them, and then somehow move them around under. You know, under the table, etc. Mm-hmm. So
1: I'll tell you exactly when I became aware of Blood Diamonds. Go for it. When Leonardo DiCaprio attached his name to a movie of the same name,
3: which is an excellent movie, very good movie, an excellent,
1: excellent. Juman Hansu, right?
2: Yeah, and, and also gets the message across to people who
3: might not know about it. So, yep. Yeah, the um, lasers. Are now often used. So if you're going to go buy your diamonds, make sure you can see the engraving.
0: Oh, laser engraved into the diamonds, into the diamonds, like the certificate of authenticity. Kind so of thing. you know
3: where it's coming from. Again, I don't know how much I faith I put into it that the black market won't find a way around that. Right. But all the the nations that have signed on and said they will make sure they're not bringing them in have. If they're producing them too, the producers tend to mark them but at least, where they came from.
2: At least having to do that and having to get this laser forgery and, is, and in through, yeah. at least it's cutting into their profits and maybe making them go, wouldn't it just be easier
3: if we were nice about this and paid people a decent wage and stopped killing people? See, the trouble with blood diamonds is they call, kind of fall into the same gray area as weapons. Because mm-hmm. it'd be nice to think that hey, you can't go sell weapons to African nations to fight one another, but there are guys moving around that are still managing to sell weapons yeah. and not being tracked properly, or are and nobody's moving to anything against them. So there is kind of this sad assumption that the diamonds can run the same way, but at least then they're not you know theoretically easily ending up in you know somebody's wedding ring, et cetera. Yes. and they're projecting that it'll all continue into the future because there's a crap load of stuff we need for our cell phones and computers etc uh, that again can be found in africa in great quantities and diminishing quantities as well which means their price is rising and they expect no matter what's happening with blood diamonds it'll move over to um joe's know, iphone iridium
0: oh yeah iridium yeah
3: uh, iridium deposits are notable in africa and they every year a new ipod comes out that requires more and their their worth is going up which means they expect Wars will continue being funded on this.
1: It kind of seems like, sadly, it seems like there's no end to the topics of conversation about greed trumping human cost. Right? Like, I mean, you can go back to, uh, you know, the Industrial Revolution, right? Where it's like... Oh, I can? (laughs) We need need children to work in factories because we need their tiny hands to fit into little spaces. And every once in a while, they may lose a finger or a limb. Or a life. Or a life. But that's all right. They're just little orphan children.
3: The number of companies that made vast sums of money in the second world war by tapping into the cheap labor base we'll say
1: in nazi germany yeah yeah
3: uh it's another good example although that does bring up the odd story like schindler's list where provided you believe entirely the story that's presented Mm. somebody did attempt his best to minimize the cost yeah but Mm -hmm.
1: uh, that's one example of somebody who tried to mitigate it and there are probably hundreds of examples of people who did not try to mitigate it so and and let's just be
2: fair here uh he he tried to mitigate it while still becoming really rich yeah yeah no that's
3: that's like i said it depends on how much you want to buy into the the, the altruistic side of the story war profiteers became a major major issue during the second world war uh, with all the rationing in the United States, guys who made vast fortunes based on – I'm not supposed to be selling this to you, but here you go. Yeah, The number of companies like – because by the time the Second World War came around, companies were now not just locally based. They were starting to deal and ship around internationally, which means uh, my favorite is Orange Crush, I want to say. Oh, Fanta? Fanta. That's it. Thank yeah. you. The the Second World War, uh, basically it's like Coca-Cola is like, no, no, no. We're not going to do business with the Nazis. When they sell off their side, uh, Fanta is created. The Germans love the orange pop. And then the war's over and Coke moves back in and buys it all up. Hey! It's like they never went away.
0: Well, wasn't Ford like selling – basically selling tanks to Germany during the war?
3: That's a good question. I don't know. I think I given read the, that in the comic book somewhere. Given that the man was – odious on
1: several levels i wouldn't i wouldn't discount that he was a nazi sympathizer the word is
2: ford and adolf hitler admired each other's achievements adolf hitler kept a life-size portrait of ford next to his desk life-sized who painted that uh i regard henry ford as my inspiration hitler told a detroit news reporter two years before becoming the chancellor of germany in 1933
3: Ford initially refused to convert his factories to war work after the attack on Pearl Harbor. And he did not stop his executives from cooperating with Washington, but he did, get, they, did, did not, not get did, deeply involved.
1: So he wasn't sending tanks to Germany, but oh, okay. uh, he wasn't building tanks for America.
3: Do
0: you guys know what
1: seed faith is? No, I have no idea. That's when you uh, worship uh, really un- unborn trees. No, oh, no, no. I know what it is. I know what it is. That's uh, when you got one of those cult leaders who uh, seed face all the ladies in the group.
3: I was going to say it's a celebrity name.
1: Yeah, Seed, Seed Faith is a really awesome celebrity Seed, name. Seed Faith Paltrow. <laughs> uh,
0: well, while Joe is looking that up, I'll tell you about Oral Roberts. Uh, of course, everyone knows that he was a Pentecostal televangelist in America, and they uh, founded the Oral Roberts Evangelistic, Evangelistic Association and Oral Roberts University. Mm-hmm. At the age of twenty-nine, he claims he picked up his Bible; it fell open to the third epistle of John, where the verse two read. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Roberts decided immediately that it was all right to be rich. The next day he said he bought a Buick and God appeared, telling him to heal the sick. In 1977, he claimed to have had a vision from a 900 foot tall Jesus who told him to build City of Faith Medical and Research Center and that the hospital would be a success. In 87, during a fundraising drive, Roberts announced to a television audience that unless he raised $8 million by that March, God would call him home, quote, unquote. This kind of inferred to suicide or
2: death. Anyway. Death,
0: yeah. Death in some fashion. Uh, he raised $9.1 million. Oh, good. Roberts maintained his love of finery and one obituary obituary claimed that even when times became hard, He continued to wear his Italian silk suits, diamond rings, and gold bracelets, airbrushed out by his staff on publicity pictures. And in 1988, the ORU Board of Regents rubber-stamped the use of millions in endowment money to buy a Beverly Hills property so that Oral Roberts could have a West Coast office and house.
3: Quote,
2: unquote, office. That son of a bitch lived until uh, December of last year died at the ripe old age of 91.
0: What do we learn about seed
2: faith? Seed faith is the teaching that things received by faith start with a seed. Hmm. And uh, I'm pretty sure Oral Roberts turned this into, you have to seed some money with me.
0: Yeah, this basically meant that he ran direct mail campaigns that his followers were getting into heaven if they sent him money.
1: Right. And it's, and it's, it comes,
2: comes from the uh, Bible, verse Matthew 17:20. 20. Uh, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So
1: that's
3: what gets contracted down to faith will move mountains.
1: It's tithing like back from the medieval age when, you know, if you're on your deathbed and you hadn't quite been good enough, you give the church enough money and you make sure you get into heaven.
3: But an interesting twist on the idea of greed that you can just tromp your way through life and then on your deathbed buy your way into heaven.
2: Yeah. uh, Let me – I'm not uh, religious at all, but it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to obtain
1: the kingdom of heaven. (gasps) I heard that somewhere. Very philosophical.
3: I seem to recall there were lots of levels of tithing as well. It's I like wish a I can remember specifics. It's like,
1: it's like your freaking flyers program. There's the, uh, the kind of the regular people, then there's the silver, then there's the gold. Yeah. Only some of them do you get into the luxury suite. <laughs>
4: Just a little filthy lucre, mine's a lot of things, and I could take you to places you'd like to go. But outside of that, I'm no use for dough. It's a root of all evil, Most strife and of evil. But I'm certain, honey, that life would be sunny with plenty of money and you. Yes, yes.
5: All round, baby, what I could do. with a pocket full of money and you, yeah, in spite of the worry money rains, yeah, just a little filthy lucre buys a whole, whole
4: lot of things, I could
5: take you to places that you would Brown skin, I've got no use for dough. It's the roots of all evil, of strife, and of evil. But I'm certain, brown skin, I've got you under my skin.
4: In
0: the news, court says, Vatican Bank can't be tried in U.S. for storing Nazi loot. December 2009, U.S. appeals court upholds ruling on bank's immunity. Holocaust survivors accused bank of laundering looted assets. An American appeals court on Tuesday dismissed a lawsuit by Holocaust survivors who alleged the Vatican Bank accepted millions of dollars of the valuables stolen by Nazi sympathizers. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in San Francisco upheld a lower court ruling that said the Vatican Bank was immune from such a lawsuit under the 1976 Foreign Sovereign Immunities Act, which generally protects foreign countries from being sued in U.S. courts. Holocaust survivors from Croatia, Ukraine, and Yugoslavia had filed suit against the Vatican Bank in 1999 alleging that it stored and laundered the looted assets of thousands of Jews, Serbs, and Gypsies who were killed or captured by the Nazi-backed Ustasha regime that controlled Croatia. The court didn't rule on the allegation. In its decision, the court said the Vatican Bank, formerly known as the Institute for the Works of Religion, or IOR, was a sovereign entity entitled to the protections of the Foreign Sovereign Immunities Act, and therefore U.S. courts had no jurisdiction. Uh, And I quote, In defending the lawsuit, the IOR did not challenge the allegations of the plaintiffs that they had suffered terrible losses in the hands of the UTASHA. Rather, the challenge was simply to the jurisdiction of U.S. courts over the IOR. Jonathan Levy, who represents the survivors, said he thought he had sufficiently shown that the Vatican Bank engaged in commercial activities in the United States, which can serve as an exemption to the protections Hmm. granted by the Immunities Act. The reason we're disappointed, uh, he said, Is the court found that dealing in gold teeth from concentration camps was not a commercial act. Discuss.
1: Uh, Do they make money at it? It sounds pretty commercial if you sell it and you make money. Yeah. Sounds pretty commercial. Was was
2: money exchanged? Yeah. It's commercial. Come on. I guess if you're radical.
0: richest country in the world. Oh, per capita?
1: I don't know. What, well, what, I, mean, I don't even know what their capital is. Like,
0: now, it's now one of these too. things.
1: Can you even count their value? I mean, because, like, the Queen is technically the richest person in the UK. Or, no, she's not anymore. It's J.K. Rowling is. <laughs> but the the Queen used to be the richest uh, woman in the UK. But it's, like, it's counting all these assets, right? It's counting all the, like, these assets that are technically owned by the state, these castles and property and all that. It's like she'll never be able to liquidate them, so how can you even really count them? And the Vatican's yeah. the same way, right? It's like... It's not that all their works of art that they own and all the property that they own or anything like that that they could ever actually turn it into money. So it's they, not real wealth, do right? Do they charge
2: for tours of, of the Vatican? Like when you go to the what's – the, what's the chapel again? Uh, the uh, Sistine uh, Chapel. The Sistine Chapel. Or the St. Peter's Basilica. And, or, the,
3: or the Basilica. Do they charge – for you to go in there, or is it just free to go? I've been, but it was part of a tour, so I can't honestly say whether yeah, the I mean, they, tour they, took they, care they char- of it. Or...
1: They charge those tours for sure, right?
3: Well, no. See, I don't recall.
1: It's probably built into the Even cost if, of the tour, Even if since I didn't
3: right? I didn't buy it, no. See, it's supposed to be open. I'm I'm pretty sure. Hmm. I it's wouldn't open to open swear to, to it because I never bought my ticket. But there was no, like when we went in, we went in the same way as everybody else. There's no, I don't recall a ticket door or, uh, checking
2: you. Okay, yeah. Yeah. so it's free then. All right, but they could monetize it that way. They can start charging for the tours. Well, no, no, I like the absolutely,
1: you can monetize it. But you talk about how oh they're they're worth billions of dollars, but it's they could never convert that billions into anything. Like you can't actually sell some of these things that are worth that much money, right?
3: But the Vatican is a is a bank, so they are generating money somehow, loaning yeah. and no,
1: absolutely. Et I'm just arguing against the term like oh they're worth X number of dollars. It's it's kind of a false right. economy.
3: So you you don't want to
2: you don't want to count assets as part of uh, wealth.
1: Is it, what you're saying. It, it, certain assets. I mean, when you're talking about an individual like Bill Gates is worth like thirty billion dollars, he can he can liquidate some of those goods. He could sell mm-hmm. off companies. He could like get yeah. investors. He could do all this stuff to convert those assets into money. But think the Queen could. and the Vatican, sure they could. They just never will.
3: I think they could. I think you could sell off St. Peter's Basilica. I, <laughs> I uh, really I, I, yeah. turn,
1: turn it into uh, Roger Center.
3: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how they can be a bank and operate in the world economy, though, if they can't somehow back what they're moving around. It could be the Telus world of faith. Brought <laughs> to you I, by I, the Agro Chapel. That's
0: what, that's what Oral Roberts already did. We talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I like the fact that the Pope recently came out and said that greed is is the biggest reason for you know the downfall of, of modern society and, whatever. Yeah. and
1: morality and all the rest of that and stuff. And yeah, greedy for young boys, <laughs> helitism.
3: What, what I know you like terms. I love terms. So I brought, I brought my book of isms. He's a
0: helot. Yes, exactly. That's from, uh, what movie is that from? It's from the one with uh, the guy who played Lou Gehrig. Keep what? going. You're almost there. Anyway, tell me what helotism is.
3: Uh, it refers to serfdom, specifically the condition of the enslaved helots in ancient Laconia. What does helotism have to do with greed, sorry? Who are the helots? Why there are a lot of heels. It's it's The term is now meant to mean um, condemn consumerism. So the helots were slaves. Ah. Okay. So the people dealing in, in the in slaves ancient, ancient Greece Then that is from that movie I'm trying to think of Which I'm, I'm pretty sure is from uh, Trying hard to look like
0: Gary Cooper <laughs> Starred in a movie where he became rich suddenly uh, And everybody wanted
1: Oh, everybody. Mr. Deeds
0: It might have been Mr. Deeds, yeah And he's got a little He's got a homeless buddy That goes around with him all the
3: time
1: Well yeah, that's the, the original Mr. Deeds
0: And so uh, And uh, his homeless buddy would always say Ah, these guys are a bunch of helots
3: Helots, exactly <laughs>
1: That was a yeah. long way to go for wow. that. Wow. That, yeah. Oof. God.
0: Well, I'm glad that I know now what a Helot is. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Chris Stewart. <laughs> Bringing
0: Helot to the table. And speaking of movies. Uh, so in Seven. That's, that's our, like our one of the least explored yeah. of the murders is just a rich lawyer is killed
1: on a bed. Yeah.
2: How did he die again? It has been a while since I've watched the movie.
1: It, well, he wrote something in blood behind the painting, right? Uh, that's right. He had right. to cut a
0: pound of his own flesh out.
1: He ended up bleeding to death. Mm-hmm. Really? That was definitely one that was uh, kind of they brushed by it. Yeah. It was a, a, an allusion to... Um, Titus Andronicus? No. Another Shakespearean. Titus Andronicus.
2: God damn it, I was in it. Uh, it's an allusion to uh, The Merchant of Venice. Yes.
0: Shakespeare. That was it. Pound yeah. of Flesh. Uh, Wall Street. There, yeah. Well, I mean, there's the
1: speech. First one that comes to mind. Yeah. I mean, uh, Gordon Gekko with his greed is good speech. I mean, I mean I'm not an Oliver Stone fan, but... That first Wall Street movie is a pretty good movie. And
0: you know what we haven't talked about is the whole thing going on with the economy and the mortgage bubbles and all that kind of stuff. Oh. what it It is is,
1: absolutely absolutely
2: no i go oh because it's just so damn complicated and so damned evil and uncaring about plus we're all kind of sitting in the middle of it one way or another (laughs) yeah
1: packaging of mortgage derivatives and then reselling them and reselling and repackaging repackaging to the point where now they're trying to like forensically audit it all and figure out like who owns what and where they all came from and it's literally financial institutions cannot even unravel it that these these bundles of that money has been sunk into are worthless because they can't break it up into its component parts. Mm. They can't figure out where they all came from and how they're going like, to yeah. chop them up and redivide them. And they're foreclosing on homes, and apparently this was
2: in the news just recently, they're foreclosing on homes and like they've been signing like tens of thousands of foreclosure notices a day and doing it automatically without even fact-checking. Yeah. So some people are who have been paying their mortgages are getting their homes foreclosed on just because the paperwork went through bad and somebody just signed it without even checking. It's, there's yep.
3: so much of it that they had to automate it. The last thing I heard late last week was they stopped, which was partly due to that. Mm-hmm. Like, but another part of it was somebody pointed out that it is in such a bad state. The initial, ha, 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 it's ours, mm-hmm. uh, kind of blows up in their face when they realize that if they foreclose on everybody they can foreclose on... They're sitting around holding a shitload of nothing. Nothing. And then those banks will fail. So those banks have said, wait, we're going to stop. So right now they're not doing anything. If they
2: decide that these are all wrong, then the banks don't have any money and the banks fail. But the problem is all these people – there's regular people who have their money invested in the bank and then they're going to lose it in order for the bank to pay off all the things that they owe because they now own these that are worth nothing. So either you foreclose on people who don't deserve to have their homes foreclosed on or you crash the economy for everybody again.
1: This is like the financial version of a Mobius strip.
2: It's terrible. And it's all caused or, by greed, like or, or, just guys
3: who just don't give a damn, don't look into what they're doing.
1: Or an Escher painting.
0: Yeah.
3: We here in Canada, our banks actually – Yeah,
0: don't they have a system in place that kind of – They set
3: themselves up to limit that, which is why we're not stuck in the exact same thing, although we still feel the ripples from across yeah. the border. But even when it was going nuts in the States, like proper the property was going nuts – Uh, Even in parts of Canada, the places where it could leak, it was leaking. So for example, about that time, my parents were looking to buy a new place outside of town in Cochrane. And just from looking around, they realized that the system had quickly become whoever could put the largest amount of money down up front, which is your deposit, Hmm. which is forfeit. If you don't get the house, that money goes away, which means realtors were showing up and going, yeah, well, there's other people looking for it. So maybe put down more. So people were slapping down tens of thousands of dollars, more than they should have been for houses that they might not then get, and then that money goes away. Yeah, so they were making more money by not selling the, the properties it, it than was they were by
2: selling it. Um, although some, you know, good news for people who want us to uh, fail and flounder like America has been lately, our conservative government really wants to get rid of a lot of the oversight that we've got and uh, privatize more of our uh, mm-hmm. monetary system. So that maybe in the future, uh, thanks to removing the defenses we've got, thank you conservative government uh, for trying Trying that, we can uh, fail like uh, America has.
0: Well, moving from realistic, sad economies to cartoony, <laughs> happy
2: uh, economies. Yeah. Richie Rich. Oh, and Scrooge McDuck. And Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck. McDuck. Yeah, I had him down. Yeah,
1: know. the Richie Rich, the, uh, the the saddest little rich boy. The sorry, the poorest little, little rich, rich boy. Yeah.
3: Oh, poor Richie. I rich. always loved his closet of duplicate outfits. Yeah, <laughs> I really loved that idea. <laughs> the concept of having duplicate outfits.
1: In fact, you won't. You wear the same thing only. Seventy-seven thousand times. Did
0: anyone see the film with Macaulay Culkin? No.
1: no. Uh, did not. Looked awful. Looked awful. Looked worse than Dennis the Menace.
2: I remember when I was a kid. Uh, I actually, when I was very young, uh, this is one of my first memories of actually trying to contact creators of something. <laughs> I because I read Dear Richie Rich. I well, no, I, I, I knew enough. I knew enough that I was <laughs> I was sending uh, a letter to the people who made Richie Rich. But I remember because I would read uh, the Richie Rich comics and they would, they would actually have these fun little throwbacks. Like they would have like an Richie Rich's great-great-great-great-grandfather who was then also a little kid just like Richie Rich. Right. So It was back in the, you know, back in the middle ages. But he was, they were rich. And then you could even go back to almost like caveman time and there was the rich little caveman boy. <laughs> right. But, nice. But I was like being a yeah, curious little helps. kid. But where did it start? Like, which was the first Rich murder? Yeah, would, yeah probably. <laughs> Cain, Cain and Abel is probably what happened. Cain killed Abel and said, I'm rich. And that's I how that... All this Cain, Rich, and Abel, Rich? That's right. <laughs> well, it, it was Cain and Abel, but then Cain killed Abel, took all the shit and said, now I'm Cain it was, Rich. The
3: first surname was born.
2: That's right. I never got any response. I don't know if I even... <laughs>
3: If you even put a stamp on the letter, I, who <laughs> knows? Maybe my mom said, "Yeah, I'll mail this for you." Pff, threw it away. I have um,
2: your mom's such a bitch.
3: I have one. Mm. My mom is awesome. The opposite number to uh, Wall Street is Trading Places. Oh, oh yeah, right. Trading, which is a, right. a totally agreed movie. A happy greed movie. Yeah, yeah it kind yeah. of is.
0: Whereby... With Dan Aykroyd and uh, Eddie, Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy.
1: Eddie Murphy being funny, and uh, yeah. you get to see Jamie Lee Curtis's boobs. That's
2: oh, m- oh man. <laughs>
1: I think we may have even mentioned Jamie Lee, Curtis, Jamie Lee Curtis's boobs in another episode of this podcast somewhere along the lines, but it begs re See,
3: the trouble is, is you think about that movie and you think about her boobs and all is happy. And then you think about Dan Aykroyd's Jamaican impression and uh, oh, everything wilts,
1: so to speak. Yeah. and yeah. on. That and the... Uh, Not the, everything wilts. That and, <laughs> that and the <laughs> anal raping by the gorilla.
3: No, that's funny. Because he was a bad guy. It wouldn't happen to me. I'm a good guy.
1: It's comedy gold.
3: But that whole movie was built around two stockbrokers
1: that were looking
3: to use them as fall guys. The Stadler
1: and Waldorf of live-action movies. (laughs) To to quarter the
3: market. And it failed and blew up in their face. And then they got stuck in a very 80s hole of – they were short. They had to pay millions for – they were ruined. Yeah, And then our heroes – Corner of the what was it orange juice or uh, futures orange yeah. juice orange juice, juice. <laughs> that's right they well it was kind of cool
2: because they I can't remember it now but they explained kind of how the short market and all that other yeah. stuff worked and uh, it was kind of cool that they were able to do that without uh, confusing the hell out of us still confusing but confusing the hell
1: i didn't need to uh, know anything about that because i had the freshly laid memory of jamie Lee curtis's boobs oh my carrying just, me through the whole rest of the I'll film i'll see if
2: i can find a picture of that to put up on the show notes because let me tell you
1: they're fabulous
0: willy wonka and the charlotte chocolate factory yeah veruca salt enlists her father to hire a staff member to unwrap chocolate bars until they find her a ticket. Veruca wants everything in the factory and demands her father buy it. Uh, Even Veruca's songs are about her greed. But when she tries to steal one of the nut-cracking squirrels, the chocolate golden egg sorting room labels her a bad egg and throws her
2: down a garbage chute.
1: There you (laughs) go.
2: Yeah, but she's still a rich person down a garbage chute.
1: <laughs> you know, it doesn't end up too bad for her. Through greed, she uh, doesn't get the ultimate prize. She doesn't get to see the rest of the factory. And... Oh,
2: no, she doesn't get everything.
1: Yeah.
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, take that, rich, greedy person. Pee-wee's big adventure.
0: Which was the uh-huh. wow. Francis Buxton. Yes. Wanted to buy Pee-wee's bike. Pee-wee's bike.
5: Oh, that's
2: right. Okay. And he
0: was rich, and he had. there was that big fight scene in the swimming pool. It was hilarious.
2: <laughs> I do love that movie, but it, again, I haven't seen it in ages.
0: Oh, I give it a 10 out of 10. One Fran- of my all-time favorite movies. Francis. I, yeah. I think
3: I may have to agree. If, if, even if I disagree, it's a 9. We don't know the actor of the guy who played Francis. He was in everything in the 80s. I want to say Chunk in um, Teen Wolf. He
0: was in, he was in Teen Wolf 2 and Teen Wolf. I think he was yeah, in both. Yeah. He might so, have been one of the links of both.
3: Mark Holton. Ah. And he's made a history out of being bratty fat guy and or kid.
0: It's a good gig if you can get it. I guess yeah. so. Speaking of you can't take it with you. There's that episode of The Real Ghostbusters, You Can't Take It With You. That's right. When the old man basically turns his building into a...
3: A giant machine to take it with him. Yeah, to
0: go into the afterlife.
3: That one and a couple other ones nodded back to William Randolph Hearst. Right. And that concept of super rich guy building outlandish buildings and estates and then couldn't take it with him.
0: Finally, I have a question about video games.
3: Okay. For those okay. who play
0: World of Warcraft, oh yeah, there is an achievement called Greedy.
2: Greedy. How does, how does that work? Okay, so in World of Warcraft, you very often will do dungeons and adventures with multiple people. You'll group up with five people for a for a dungeon, and once you kill a boss. Or, you know, a a major bad guy, he will drop loot. And it's a random piece of loot from his little loot table. So he might have four or five different things that, that might show up, like a really good sword or a plate helm or a cloth chest piece or something like that. And when it does, everybody in the group, then it pops up and asks you if you need it which means that basically it's better than what you have in that slot. It furthers what your character does, which is maybe heal or take damage or whatever. And uh, so if if you do that, then you click need. And if you don't, then you can click greed, which just means I just want it and I'll go to an NPC and sell it to get the gold for it. They added achievements last year uh, and one of the achievements is greedy. And the way it works is if anybody needs it, all the people who need it, it rolls a D100 for them. And whoever rolls the highest gets it. If nobody needs it, then it rolls for everybody who clicked greed, and right. whoever gets the highest gets it. The achievement is that if you get a superior item, which means it's like a purple, which is a ra- really rare, uh, that's above a certain level, and when on that roll it rolls a hundred, then you get that achievement. It's
0: like a critical hit for
2: critical hit for taking for, stuff. I want this so I can sell it.
0: Doesn't everyone just? click need all the time because they're World of Warcraft players who are 14? No. And...
2: Uh, if anybody clicks need on something that they don't need, uh, generally they'll get kicked out of the group and they can't continue on. Because there'll be multiple bosses, right? So you'll right. you'll do a dungeon, there'll be four or five bosses in it. You click need on that first one, people are like why did you click need on that? They've added in recently, finally, that uh, most of these things you can't trade them. They added in the ability to trade them with people who are in your group when you got it for two hours. Okay. But yeah, there were people who would do it. They would call those ninjas.
0: That's an insult to Ninjas. i was about to say <laughs> <laughs> it's just throw a disparaging you, comment on you a ninja sne-
2: you sneakingly took an item that you shouldn't have so you ninja it wow uh, i've got one from comics it's a uh, fairly recent uh they've had the uh the war of the light what is it called brightest day darkest night. brightest day and darkest right. night where yeah. they've they introduced in uh, the green lantern universe in the dc universe there's the green lantern who's been around for 50 years or more yeah uh, and he's got his green power ring uh, v- very recently, they added in a whole bunch of different core, each one with a different
1: color. Well, the Yellow Lantern um, core had been around for quite a while.
2: Not as a core, well, a little Sinestro bit had a
1: Sinestro yeah. had a
2: yellow ring. He had a yellow ring, yeah. but it was a perverted Green Lantern ring or something he made specially. But now there's a whole core of them.
0: So there's there's Green Lanterns, there's Orange Lanterns, there's Red Lanterns, there's no red, red, dark orange, red, yellow, green Paisley lanterns. There's red,
2: orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. Okay, orange and black. Uh, there yes. are black, which is the blackest night. They are death. Ra- uh, red is rage. Uh, orange is greed and avarice. The kind of neat thing that they did about this to make a core for the Green Lantern is there's only one of them because he
3: said, mine. He's really a funny character because now he's wandering around Earth. And quite recently, like he's out in the middle of the New Mexico desert or something like that where he's built up a pile of stuff he's stolen from people that he just – because he wants everything mine. easy. Yeah. My TVs, et cetera. I forget there was one where somebody was going to be – dress somebody up as a – and his line was, "I want to be a pretty princess." Like he's just this, this weird, wants to be. Every- he's like a child oh. in the background. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's a, he's like the uh, Green Lantern version of Gollum. Yes, there you go. Exactly. There's another one, greedy, uh, yeah, little mofo, go. and he wants it, can't let it go. He's not going to heaven. All, oh, nice. all
3: the rings have some sort of. Um, cosmic entity attached to them and Larflees has his stuffed into the lantern like again rather than you know adopting the powers that he's got it stuffed away in his right. lantern that he will not
0: he's, a, he's the hoarder of the DC universe he really is yeah.
2: and at one point during the massive war against the Black Lanterns uh, Lex Luthor became one of the few other Orange Lanterns because, Lex, makes because, because sense. Lex, Lex Luthor is super greedy
0: thanks to Chris Stewart once again for coming in Yay. Thanks, giving guys. us the facts
3: another about the facts
0: And we'll see you on the Internet.